Hey guys, welcome to my series of podcast episodes about what? How? Um, My goal with these episodes is going to be to try to explain to you what a certain comprehensible input strategy is and how to implement it in your classrooms. I hope they're helpful for you. I'm back, my friends, with another idea for you. Today I'm going to explain to you some different ways that I like to use parallel texts in my classroom. Now I'm not sure where all these ideas at the end of the school year are coming from. Maybe it's in my desperation to continue to recycle and reuse language instead of having to find new language, new stories, new content to work with in my classes. But I have been using parallel texts with my fifth and sixth grade classes this past week and it's been super fun and enjoyable for all of us so I wanted to share how I do it. So a lot of times you'll hear parallel text talked about as parallel stories, and that's how I've been using them this past week. However, as I thought about explaining them to you all, I realized it it would not have to be a story. It could be a description. It could be um, some kind of a factual informational passage, any kind of text. But the idea is that by being parallel, it means that it's following the same kind of trajectory So if it's a story, you know, you might have the same kind of actions that happen, but you're changing the details. So instead of um, a boy named Bo being the main character, maybe it's a dinosaur named Fluffy. I don't know. Okay, so the idea is that it follows the same trajectory and the details are changed. It's almost kind of like a Mad Libs, but instead of necessarily like filling in the blanks, you're just looking at words and parts of the story that you want to change. So I'll explain to you kind of the two ways that I've done this this past week with my fifth and sixth grade classes using two different pieces of content, and then I'll share some other ideas that I have. So with my fifth grade class, we are using Pawn by Senior Woolley, the story about bread to finish the school year. And so I've talked about using Senior Woolley before in some different ways that I like to extend it and keep it keep it going beyond just the nuggets or just the video. But this could work with any story that you tell in a class. So on the first day, I told a visual story. So basically, I drew the story out with my beautiful stick figure artwork, and I make the students all clap for me while I'm drawing because I'm the best artist ever. They may wonder why the character only has one leg or the hair is not attached to the stick figure's head, but it doesn't matter because it's art. So I draw out the story and I tell the story, right? And I'm telling the story of the boy in the video, Bo, who wants bread, but his family won't give him bread. And he has bubbly soup with bones in it that is disgusting. And no matter what, they won't give him bread. So I'm telling the story, right? And I'm like, oh, there's a boy. His name is Bo. He's 16 years old. He lives with his family. And so then after I've told the story on day one, on day two, I bring a typed version of that same story back and we read through it as a class. And then as a class, I walked them through how to create a parallel story. Now, because my fifth graders are more of a, I would say they're probably novice high, overall, um, at least in their interpretive skills. Um, but they obviously the output, as we know, comes a little bit later and we need to scaffold that and build them up to being able to output on their own. So I thought this would be a fun way to give them a little bit of an opportunity for creativity to create their own using 
language that they're familiar with and that is kind of pre-selected for them. So what I did was I highlighted different parts of speech in my two-paragraph story about Bo, and I highlighted like all the characters. I highlighted the adjectives. I highlighted the emotions. I highlighted the foods. I highlighted the places. But I did not highlight any of the verbs, any of the events, any of the main kind of things that happened, mostly just like the supporting details. And so what we did was we went through as a whole class and I modeled for them and we decided together how we could change some of these details to create a parallel story of our own. So I was like, okay, is the, is the main character's name Bo? And they're like, no! And they raised their hands and they were like, it's Bob! And I was like, okay. And another class was like, it's John! And I'm like, okay. And then we go to the next part and I said, oh, is John a, is John a muchacho? Is John a boy? Or is John like a dinosaur? Is John a, a frog? And they're like, he's a frog! And then we're like, okay, does he live with his family? And they're like, no, he lives with his cat! Right? And so I, I limited them while we were, they were giving me these suggestions and we did this as a whole class to words that they already knew in Spanish because they're like, oh, Ron is a, you know, blah, 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 crazy thing that no one's ever barely heard of in English, but they think I should know in Spanish. And I'm like, nope, sorry, you're limited to what you know in Spanish. And so then that forced them to kind of be creative within their limits, right? Because we're really trying to scaffold that and train them that like using the language that's in their brain, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, And helping them understand that the breadth of knowledge of their Spanish is not as big as it is in English. So we went through, we changed all the details. They had a blast. They thought it was hilarious and fun. And then I said, now guess what? It's your turn to create your own. And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Cause like I hardly give them opportunities to create their own things because they don't have the language for it. And because I'm such a wonderful and caring and thoughtful teacher, I prepared a list of options for them that they could use. So again, going with those corresponding parts of speech. So under characters, I put like some different animals, some different people. So if they like wanted to make Bo a teacher or a veterinarian or a dentist, right? So I had like maybe 10 different animals or people listed. Most of them cognates, most of them words that the students have seen or been familiar with. And then I pulled out a list of like 10 foods. So like instead of Bo wanting to eat bread, Bo wanted to eat tuna or he wanted to eat cheese or he wanted to eat strawberries. And then I also pulled out a list of like 10 places. Instead of Bo going to um, a restaurant to find bread, maybe Bo went to the movie theater to find tuna. Um, And then I also gave them some different emotion options and some different adjective options for what would make sense in the story. And I told the students, I said, you have to make at least five changes to the story. And again, it's only like two paragraphs long. I gave them a printed copy of it. And you could have them do it digitally if you trust your students to do that. But our students still struggle to type, even after all this virtual schooling. Um, And I also don't want them using online translators or being tempted to. And I did have a couple of students in each class look something up and try to use it. And I said, no. I said, I know that you want to be able to say whatever you want. However, that's going to come with more time. And I told them, because I have the fifth through eighth graders at our school, I said, this is me trying to help you be creative, but within boundaries that I set for you and I set them for a reason. 
And I said, next year, knowing in sixth grade, I give them more opportunities to write and create. I said, if you can show me that you can respect the directions and follow them this year, that will show me I can trust you to create stories next year and be even more creative. And I said, and even by eighth grade, and I pulled out a couple of the books that the eighth graders have made this year, the eighth graders could say whatever they wanted and create whatever they wanted because I they had trusted me in kind of leading them there starting in fifth grade. And the kids were like, okay. So that squashed the, the couple of kids that were attempting to translate. Um, but they had a really fun time and they were giggling and laughing and like making silly stories. And I just said, you know, you got to replace it with words either that you know or that are on the list. You have to make sure that if you change the main character's name, it's changed all the way through the story. And I said, you have to make at least five changes. And then they're all excited. Are we going to share them? Are we going to share them? So I think, you know, in these next couple of days of class, if I have extra class time where like we've run out of things to do, I'll pull out some of their stories and read them. And just think about how much extra input they're getting if I share those stories, how much extra input they were getting as they read and reread that story to make sure that their changes would make sense. And so they had a super fun time creating a parallel story, doing it that way. Now with my sixth grade, because they know a little bit more language, my sixth grade, we had done a unit on the movie Talk the Present, El Regalo, and we had typed up as a class, we had created a write and discuss as the summary of the events, and then we did a a write inside the story example, and I have a whole nother episode on how to do right inside the story. Um, but I had them do that within partners and groups and then they shared as a class. And so we made this expanded, more detailed summary with more details about what happened in the story. So then I digitally gave them all a copy of the summary and I let them basically do the same thing, but they had freedom to change anything that they wanted as long as it made sense. It was in Spanish and it was a minimum of five set or five changes. Um, I did run into problems where students tried to change too much. Um, and I also ran into problems where some students had translated things. But my policy in my syllabus and everything that I share with them is if they translate it, I'm not going to give them credit. So for those students, when they did that, I gave it back to them and I said, you need to start over. And then the students who made things too complicated, I explained to them that, again, if it was too complicated for me to understand, these are storybooks that are going to stay in my classroom as part of my classroom library. If it was too complicated or weird for me to understand, then next year's sixth grade isn't going to be able to understand it and so then they would have to go back and redo it. And most of the kids realized that although they wanted to have more fun and like have these big ideas that it was going to make their lives harder and waste their work time in class if they overcomplicated it. So a lot of them, like it, you know, if you're familiar with the movie talk, the gift, um, the present, if you're not, I highly suggest you watch it, maybe start to use it in your classes. Cause it's wonderful. I'm actually thinking about, I made like a whole, I think it's about eight day. I made about an eight day unit on it. Um, and I'm not sure about what I, derivative property or derivative um, content and things like that. So I'm not sure what I would be allowed to share on Teachers Pay Teachers or not, and I'd like to look into that. Um, but I have a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm, I feel really strongly about this unit. Like, it went really, really well, and my students loved it. So I'm thinking I might, I might post that um, in TPT this summer if I get a chance to gather it all up for everyone, and it's 
all within its legal bounds. If not, sorry, my friends, I can talk you through how I built that unit. Um, but anyhow, I digress. Now I don't even remember what I was talking about. Oh, so it's about a boy and he gets this spoiler alert. He gets a box. His mom brings him in a box and he's all like grumpy and playing video games. And he's like, eh, what is this? And then the mom's like, open your present. And he's like, a present for me? And he opens it and there's a puppy in it. He's like, yay, I'm so excited until he realizes the puppy only has three legs. And then he's like, ew, I don't want this puppy. He like throws it to the ground. He like kicks it away. But the puppy just like starts playing because it's a puppy and it's adorable. And then eventually the boy like gives in and decides to play with the puppy. And we see that the boy is missing a leg. And so it's like, whoa, like this deeper internal conversation conflict and why he was unhappy with it and blah, blah, blah. Anyhow, um, so it turns out like some of the kids ended up making the stories about how there was like this, the rock is a main character, not the guy, although I have stories about him, like an actual rock. And then, you know, someone walks in with a box and there's an alien in it and they just, they, you know, got really silly with it and it was pretty fun. Um, so that's how I've used parallel texts now. Um, other ways that I've used parallel texts is that I have actually <laughs> to recycle a lot of like descriptions and things. Um, I will do them in storyboards. So let's say, for example, in class, my first unit is describing settings. So I'll put up a picture of a place. And as a class, we will describe it. And then we'll write up descriptions of these different places. Well, then as the teacher, I will take those descriptions and I will write parallel texts and put them underneath storyboard squares. Um, so maybe instead of like, maybe there's a description of a beach and we're like, oh, it's hot, it's sunny, the water is blue, there's lots of people on the beach, there are no trees. Then I will take that description and I will flip and mix up some of the details and I'll be like, oh, it's a beach, it's raining, it's cold, there's lots of dinosaurs, the water is purple, and then I'll have the kids color and represent that picture and draw it and color it. Um, and then of course they're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I did that with a, a mixed up storyboard is what I called it with a story that I did in the unit with fifth grade right before this. Um, it was a, we did La Lucha de la Limonada, which is a new graphic novel from Senor Woolley. And we, <laughs> I had just, I had um, changed a lot of the details. Like, oh, he opens the refrigerator and grabs a unicorn instead of grabbing a bottle of lemonade. And the idea was for the students to read carefully and pay attention to details and highlight the things that, you know, were off were wrong didn't match the what actually happened in the story and then they illustrated the mixed up version of the storyboard and it was actually a lot of fun the kids were like what and I'm like you know I made it ridiculous and weird on purpose right um, but I'll use parallel text that way too because the students are already familiar with the core structures right the high frequency verbs or the the storyline the events the actions that happened and so if I throw in mixed up details using words that I know they're familiar with or cognates and things like that, they're getting that extra repetition of those main phrases with a little bit of a different context. It feels a little new because the wording is different and we're able to use it in multiple ways. So that's a little bit more about parallel texts and how I use them in class. I'm sure there's way more ways to use them, but we have had fun doing that these past couple of weeks and extending that content, extending that original input so that I'm not having to create new things and come up with on my own. So I hope that you have tried parallel text. If you haven't, I encourage you to give it a shot. Maybe if not this year, if you're already done, congratulations. If not 
next year. I hope you give it a shot. Talk to you soon, my friends.